And so I started sketching out the novel. And by the end of the weekend, I felt like I, I knew what I wanted to do. Of course, it changed completely. Like that sketch did me no good. I, I felt great about myself <laughs> for like 24 hours. And then, then I started writing and it all hell broke loose. The art of methodically rising tension. This is a tricky one because there really isn't a hard and fast rule. However, while talking to our guest today, I learned so much about how to incrementally increase tension over the course of the novel and to do it in a way that is believable for a reader. Plus, we cover some major misconceptions about the publishing business. We're busting myths out here, so come along for the ride. I'm David Gwynn, agented writer navigating the world of traditional publishing. During this season of the Thriller 101 podcast, we're gonna be focusing on building the skills necessary to write the kinds of thrillers that land you an agent and readers. I'm talking to authors, agents, and publishing industry professionals about the best way to write a novel. If you want the expert secrets, this is where you're going to find them. Last week on the podcast, I talked to Mandy McHugh about how to write amazing dialogue. So really just, you know your characters better than anybody else. So really listen to the voices and what they're trying to come in and don't try to make them be anything that they're not. You should definitely check that out if you haven't already. I'll link that in the description. Today's guest is Aaron Flanagan, the author of two short story collections and three novels, including Deer Season, winner of the 2022 Edgar for Best First Novel, and her most recent novel, Come With Me. She is an English professor at Wright State University and a regular book reviewer for Publishers Weekly. I had so much fun talking to Aaron, so let's get straight to the interview because you're really gonna love this one. Aaron, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Oh my goodness, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So your newest novel, Come With Me, which which I loved and is out now, Thank is you. a really fun read. So I'm I'm dying to talk about it. I'm, I'm really excited <laughs> we get to we get to chat about it. So before we do though, can you tell people what it's about? Sure. It's about a woman, Gwen Maynard. She's in her early 30s and her husband dies very suddenly of a heart attack. And she comes to find out that he has reinvested all of their money in his tech company and left her basic basically with nothing. And she's got an eight-year-old daughter she's got to take care of. She's been out of the workforce for about a decade. She ends up getting back in contact with this woman, Nicola, who she knew when they were interns back in college. And Nicola stayed in the workforce, has worked her way up to an executive position and says, oh, I could do better than, you know, getting you a recommendation. You want to come back to Ohio? I bet I can get you an interview. And Gwen moves back and in a lot of ways, Nicola is just the friend she needs there to help her, take care of her, help her find a place that's really close to where she lives, help her with her mom. And before Gwen knows it, Nicola's kind of infiltrated herself into all aspects of Gwen's life. And she's begun to realize maybe things are going a little too fast, a little too quickly. And she better, she better pull back. Yeah. So like I said, I, I love this. And it, it's so funny listening to you explain it because like, the tension, which which I'm going to ask you about in a little bit, but and hopefully you're going to give us all your your tips and tricks. But the tension just like builds as we go. All of a sudden, you're like, "Whoa, what is happening?" And what has happened? And you start thinking back to like all the steps that got you there. I, I think it was beautifully done and, and just a, a really great uh, story. So, how did you come up with this idea for the story? Well, it was funny. It was kind of out of desperation. All the best ideas, right? Yeah, right. Like, what else is there? What else is motivating me if not desperation? But I have a great uh, group of writing friends that we get together for a writing retreat a couple times a year. We have one coming up this weekend. And the Thursday, we're supposed to leave on Friday. And the Thursday before, 
my agent got a hold of me and said, the latest idea is not a go. We got to come up with something new. And I had thought, oh, I'm going to go on this retreat. I'm going to start this novel. It's going to be so fun. And instead, I just show up in tears like, oh, my God, I got nothing. I don't know what I'm going to And we started talking because all of the women were like, you've got this. It's going to be amazing. We'll come up with something. And we started talking about how we're now at a point in our lives where we've kind of found our group of women who we hold each other up. We support each other. There's no competition. But we also started talking then about earlier friendships when we were younger and how those were a little more fraught in some ways. There can be a competitive edge. There can be some controlling issues when we're all trying to figure out who we are. And so one of them said, Katrina Kittle said, I think you should write about this. And I'm like, huh. And so I started sketching out the novel. And by the end of the weekend, I felt like I... I knew what I wanted to do. Of course, it changed completely. Like that scared me no good. I, I felt great about myself for like 24 hours. And then, then I started writing and it all hell broke loose. But it was, it was a, it was thankfully due to these women that I absolutely adore and not me. <laughs> Less adoring women in the background. Yeah, that's awesome. And so this is, this is now your third novel, mm-hmm. right? The, mm-hmm. the third one that came out. So can you talk a little bit about your writing process? It sounds like you do some level of planning, plotting beforehand. Is that always the case or not necessarily? No, it was so weird. That was the first time uh, with Come With Me that I was writing proposal for a book rather than a book first, which I was a very great position to be in. But I was like, oh, I'm a pantser to my core. So I was <laughs> pretty nervous about that because I I feel like the only way I can convince myself that a book is a book is to write this really bad draft of a book. So to come up with the the concept and then the outline and all of that and the proposal ahead of time was really challenging for me. And like I said, I felt really great. I'm like, oh, this is what the plotters are talking about. This is amazing. <laughs> I got this little roadmap. And I wrote about the first five chapters and then all hell broke loose. So I <laughs> I had to just really throw that out. And I met with my editor later on in the process when I had like a pretty full draft. And I'm like, so how tied are we to that proposal? She's like, yeah, we got time. Don't worry. And really just let me kind of go with it. So the core of it stayed the same. Like I had to go back to the publisher's marketplace release saying this is what the book and i'm like okay that one sentence still matches so i think i'm golden i'm going to close enough title everything else changed but yeah (laughs) so it was it ended up being a different experience but somehow i ended up on the same road of just winging it so it's such an interesting process do you do you prefer to do it that way uh, where you're kind of getting the go-ahead on a on a project first well ideally i would like somebody to take the book <laughs> so I thought, like I thought man, this makes a lot of sense like after my second novel came out I thought oh so I guess they're just gonna like what I do now and I wrote a draft of a novel and they're like actually that's not the way it works we don't love this idea and I said oh okay so then I like started kind of pitching some ideas and that's how we got to come with me but now I'm back in the position where I'm like I just gotta write what I want to write I guess you know yeah. and it's kind of freeing in a way But it's also like, it's, I don't know, it's a balance. I feel like you've got the expectation of this is the novel I said I was going to write. And now I'm trying to form a novel to that versus the excitement of like, this is the novel I want to write, but 
who the hell knows if anyone's going to want to publish it? Right. You know, so there's really, it's a pros and cons of what kind of, what kind of stress do you want in your life? Do you, do you want to stress <laughs> early or later? I don't know. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like people from the outside looking in, they, are, they mm-hmm. often think like, oh, I just get the first book in and then everything else is gravy. And it really feels like everyone's got like a different yeah. uh, experience, but it feels like it's still the wild, wild west, whether, whether you've written two books or not, it doesn't matter. I think that's true. I think there's all that sexiness of the debut. So everybody wants a debut, but then, you know, you're getting further in your career and you think, oh, I'll be, I'll be settled. And I don't think, I don't know any writer who feels safe. Isn't that, and I, I think that's kind of awful because I think the safer we feel, the more we're willing to take risks and right. kind of branch out. But I think you just have to figure out, you know, who are you trying to please here? You know, are you trying to please what you think the market's going to be? Or are you trying to please yourself as an artist? And I don't think there's a right answer. One thing that's great about like listening to podcasts and having friends in the business is getting to hear that you're not the only one who feels like, oh, I, I, I would have thought by this point, I would have felt like I had a home or something like that. And right. like everybody's like, no, it's, it's just an ongoing kind of difficult business to be in. And part of it, I think, is that as artists, we didn't want to be in a business. But I mean, good luck with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Great. So I want to go back a little bit and talk about yeah. how you started writing. Did you always know you wanted to be a writer? Yeah, I knew it when I was a little kid. I didn't I didn't have any idea that was something people actually could do. I grew up in a really small town. Nobody I knew was like interested in writing. But then I went to college and I took a creative writing class. And what really struck with me was reading more so. Like I loved to like, oh, I'm gonna write in this class, but I started reading contemporary short stories and I was like, what in the holy hell is this goodness? I had no idea. <laughs> like I thought, I thought we just stopped at O. Henry. You know what I mean? And so then I was like, Raymond Carver? Who's that? And like, blew, like blew my mind open. And so I think from there, I really started getting into being a reader. And I think that's what really shaped me as a writer. Like I took a lot of classes, I, you know, all of that. But it was really kind of dedicating myself to reading that I think made the big difference and made me just love it so much. Yeah. And so I, I know you're a professor. And so oh, yeah. is that is that kind of the track you ended up on, you know, following that that reading bug that you caught? Like, you, did you just kind of follow it all the way through? Yeah, it was weird. I as an undergrad, I was not not a great student. I think a lot of people same, relate same. to that. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'll tell my students my GPA sometimes and they're like, holy shit. <laughs> and you're teaching us. I'm like, see, big fig. <laughs> but, but no, so I took like four years off after undergrad and was a secretary uh, for a while. I just knew that wasn't going to sustain me and ended up going back for literature. And then again, kind of fell into these creative writing classes. And while I was there, I ended up becoming managing editor of Prairie Schooner, the Nebraska literary magazine. And I loved it so much that it really kind of pulled me into that world even more. And so since I was working at the university full time, I could take classes. And so I was like, well, I might as well try for the PhD. So I just kept going. And then I didn't think I'd want to teach, but because I'm, I'm pretty introverted. And I was like, I'm not going to stand up in front of people. Like, it just sounds awful and <laughs> talk for all that time. And ended up, it was just a really different kind of thing than like having to talk to people at a dinner party. Like we're all there for a good reason, you know? And so I ended up, yeah, going on the job market and getting a job at Wright State. And I've been there now like 18 years. 
Wow, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So I want to, I always, whenever I have authors on here, I, I love to have them give their agent a shout out. So you're rep by Jill Marr. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you love about working with Jill? Oh, man. She is a dream. I could not love her anymore. <laughs> like from the moment we met, well, here, this is, this is such a little thing, but it meant the world to me. When she asked to see the full draft of Blackout when I was querying, that ended up being my second novel. She emailed me after about a week into having it. She's like, reading it and I'm loving it. Has anybody picked it up yet? And just think about her showing her enthusiasm and wanting to know if she was still in the running just really made me feel like, oh, she's a champion. Like she's somebody who's going to love like loves to work with people and loves this business. And from the get-go, from the jump, when I got on the phone with her, I felt like I was myself. And that might seem like a silly thing to say, but I had had an agent when I was younger and she was, you know, this kind of New York powerhouse and she scared the bejesus out of me. I, it would take me like three (laughs) weeks to send her an email. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the healthiest. And I feel always like, I'm sure Jill is like, you don't have to email me all the time. And you certainly don't have to do it in all caps with all these exclamation points. But I'm like, there I am, you know, so I feel like I can really be myself with her and like talk frankly about what I'm working on, what's going well, what's not. And I just, I just feel like she's always there and ready to support. And she is just a mastermind too. Like the business side, chef's kiss. That's great. That's awesome. I feel like that's a, a glowing recommendation for anyone who's querying right now to, to send yeah. your stuff over to, to Jill. That's Absolutely. Good. Okay, let's pause there for a second. So far, we've talked about Aaron's background and how she got into writing. I also think it's so interesting to hear how writers of Aaron's caliber still have to work through rough drafts. Plus, she busted those common myths about publishing. Remember, your career is just that. It's a career. There's no coasting along in this business, no matter how long you've been in it. So you have to go in with that mentality. In the next part of the interview, Erin shares her advice about how to slowly build tension over the course of a novel. It's one of the more intricate skills in writing, and she even shares some other important advice for us writers to hear. You're going to find this really valuable, so let's get back to the interview. So I want to dive in and talk about Come With Me and talk about the suspense and and how you um, managed to pull off this this really great novel. So uh, like I mentioned kind of at the top here, like that methodical building of tension that kind of happened over the course of this novel. Um, And and it was like kind of that like increasingly unsettled Mm -hmm. feeling that that we got as readers. How did you manage to pull off that that tension? I mean, is it something it sounds like something that you had plotted and then didn't have plotted, and then maybe yeah. through the revision process, like, t- is it something that happens naturally in your writing or, you know, can you talk us through how that comes, comes through? Yeah. Well, I, I think that for me, that pacing and tension is one of the hardest things I come from short stories. So I'm still like trying to figure out like, how do you modulate that, I guess. And I think that's where, for me, a really great editor comes in. So Jessica Triple Wells at Thomas and Mercer was the editor for this one and for Blackout. And I think she is so good at that, like about figuring out where your peaks and your valleys are. And one thing I knew going into Come With Me that I would kind of have to balance was this feeling for the reader, maybe in the beginning, that they they see long before Gwen does, that Nicola might not be always with the best interests at heart. And so you have to balance like the surprise of what's coming, that kind of tension with 
that kind of delicious feeling of, I know what's, I know what's coming. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it's going to come, but I know that things are going to turn south at some point. So how long can you kind of hold that kind of tension for the reader before they're like, come on, Gwen, get it together. Like, can't you see things are not going to go well? And so that was, I think, one of the things where Jessica came in and really helped me figure out, like, when I was holding on too long to one kind of attention and then, like, needed to switch to the other. So that that was super helpful for me. Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm thinking now about novels that I've read where the character just is is too dumb for too long. And you're like, OK, I'm out like you're just you deserve what you get. Like, that's it. And I yeah. didn't feel that at all with with Gwen in this character. And I think that that's probably a testament to, to you as a writer. And it sounds like to your editor, too, that, that kind of worked through that. Oh, thank you. That's so great to hear, because that was one of the things that I worried about. And one of the things I really wanted to explore in the book was how smart women do kind of fall into these relationships with people that are controlling. Because I think like too often we think, well, that was dumb. How did you not see that coming? But I think it happens all the time, too. So I wanted I didn't want her to be like dumb i wanted i did want to like beat her down pretty bad in the beginning with like her mom can't help us the caregiver with her she's gonna have to take care of her mom her husband's died she's had to move she doesn't have any money so i did like pile quite a bit on her but then she had to find the resources to get past that she was the character at the beginning that i felt like i i knew like i feel like i'm the most like gwen out of the two of them and so i did want to be like how how can i make her smart but also fall prey yeah, well, it, I think that was it. I think it was so plausible the way that everything kind of fell in into place. I think it was it just felt very much like to to, to your point, like very much like a thing that could happen, very much a thing that probably that does happen. And so I think that that's that's really where for me, it felt so real throughout the entire process and and not something where I was like, OK, it's you know, it's clear to me that this is a novel. You know, like, why hasn't mm-hmm. she realized like it, it felt very much like something that, that oh, does and, and could happen. Yeah. That's, so that's I, like the, the, the greatest thing for me to hear. <laughs> Just because I, I feel like with thrillers, sometimes you're writing that line of like, it's got to be a little bananas. Like you got to go a little crazy in a thriller, but you want, I want it really to feel like pe- this, these are people, you know, that these are, you know, this is a very plausible situation. So thank you. That's like my, my favorite thing to hear. Good. Good. So I want to ask one more kind of plot question, which is, mm-hmm. which is Nicola's, backstory the flashbacks that we get as Mm -hmm. we're reading were they always there for you or is that something that came in later like where was where did those flashbacks come in to the process and and why did you decide to do those well when i when i said like i had to throw the plot out that that was a lot of it so the first time like the first run through i had to write her from beginning to end three times like i felt like i said i knew gwen somewhat but she was the one Nicola, Nicola, I don't even know how to pronounce her name. Honestly, I can't remember. You're, you get to I, choose, I, I think. <laughs> well, I don't because I had it wrong in my head the whole time. And then the audio book came out and I'd be like, I'll be damned. And my husband was like, I've been telling you this. I've been telling you, you've been saying her name wrong. She's not an Italian man. But now I'm saying which one is right. But anyway, so she, she, I wrote her the first time where she was very much in, it was the present. It would go between Gwen and... Nicola and it it would be her thinking about her interaction with Gwen. So it was all this kind of like almost mustache turning. Wah-ha-ha. I'm thinking about Gwen. 
And then I was like, oh, all those snarky, funny things that she's saying in her head, I should put them in her dialogue. Like she shouldn't be hiding things. She doesn't think she has, you know, things to hide from Gwen. So she, in that way. So she then came out in all the scenes where she was much more herself on the page, but it still was just like, it's, it's just kept stopping the tension. Every time I'd switch over to her surprise, like I would have thought there'd be more tension. And then it was only when I went back to her childhood that I was like, oh, I understand her as a character now. And that's where that all came in, was on the third run with her. Yeah, she was not giving up any secrets. <laughs> no, no. So <clears throat> my next question for you is, is just what are you working on now? What's your next project? Well, it's funny. I'm, I'm back to, I'm just going to write the novel. I'm just not, I'm not even going to plot anything. And as always happens, that went really well for like 80 80 pages. And now it's just this kind of unwieldy beast. There's this picture online of this drawing of a horse where like in the in the first, like at the head, you can see the flowing mane and like the muscle in the chest. And then it's just these two stick legs by the end with this <laughs> tail. And I'm like, that's every novel. That's every novel I write. So I'm almost to the end of a draft and okay. I'm really loving it, but I don't, I still am not quite sure I'm going to stick it yet. So like, it's still just too in, too in the, in the process, but I am in love with it. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah that's great. That's great. I feel like that's great. I, I do think it's funny. I think a lot of times, um, having a lot of authors on here that sometimes hearing that as, as, you know, people who are, who are aspiring to write the, sometimes it's, it's helpful to hear that, that like not everybody mm -hmm. has it figured out, even, even when you've got a couple books, uh, a couple great books under your, under your mm -hmm. belt. But Sometimes I think it's disheartening too. Like, are people like, oh, I wish, yeah. I, like, I, if, if Aaron doesn't have it figured out, I never will. <laughs> <laughs> well, but uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing I think that's stressing me out about this book. I think it's just, it's, it's past my abilities right now. And I think that's really exciting. Like, I think with every book, you're kind of striving to do something new. So it should be scary. It sh if you feel like you have it all figured out or like, oh, I'm, I know to follow these plot beats, I feel like that's not as much fun. So, I, it's kind of fun to feel like you're still a beginner. It is a little frustrating. I'm like, at some point, can this get easy? But it's also fun, right? Yeah, that's awesome. That's good to hear. So my last question for you is just where can people find you? Where can people look you up? Yeah, I, so I have a website, erinplanagan.net. And I'm also on Instagram way more than I should be and Twitter at, at Aaron L. Flanagan. So, oh, yeah, stop by and say hello. Nice. Great. And I'll link to all that stuff. So if you're if you're looking to get in touch and, and find Aaron's books, I highly recommend. I've loved I actually have read all three of your books. <laughs> oh gosh, and I love them you. all. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, it's That's great. Amazing. So I can't recommend it enough. Definitely go check out uh, her, her stuff. And like I said, I'll link that in the description. So if you're listening, easy access to, to get in touch with Aaron. So, Aaron, this was so much fun. I feel like I could talk to you forever. This was a blast. Oh, I really too. enjoyed it. Absolutely. Oh, my God. It's been delightful. Okay, so that's it. Like I said, this was such a fun interview. I had a blast talking to Erin. Definitely check out her books. And if you want more writing advice and information about how to make this year the year you get your agent or get published, definitely subscribe to the Thriller 101 newsletter where I give more practical information and advice from around the writing world. Next time on the podcast, I'm talking to Natasha Sass, the cozy mystery expert. So if you like thrillers, but are considering either serious potential or just interested in the cozy mystery genre like I am, you'll love next week's episode. I'll see you then.